Closed doors not too far away. Lots of great interactions with the program this morning. We'll take another in a moment. Andrew is on the line. But if you've left a comment on the Foodland Supermarkets Facebook and YouTube live stream, we'll be checking on that as well. Lots of uh, interactions with regard to something pharmacists across the country are calling for when National Cabinet meets on Friday. Uh, it would alleviate uh, pressure on GPs if pharmacists could start prescribing drugs for common conditions. They say it would uh, mean some 6.5 million GP visits could be avoided. Andrea in Williamstown has a thought on this. Morning to you, Andrea. Yeah, morning, guys. How are you going? Good, thanks, Andrea. Good. Uh, look, I just thought I'd mention, uh, I, I remember last year, late last year, I had some side effects uh, from COVID. I had trouble breathing. And I think within about 15 minutes, my doctor had managed to contact me send me the prescription, so it was a new prescription even, mm. and um, and I was able to have it sealed across the road. It, it took almost no time, and I sort of feel like they already have a solution in place, it, and, and still getting that medical, you know, that medical uh, experience behind prescribing. I'm really nervous about the idea of, of a pharmacist being able to prescribe anything. I just don't think they have Okay, Andrea, thank you. Yeah, well, it's a point that we can put yeah. to our next guest, Professor Trent Toomey from the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. What do you say in response, Professor, to the concerns that were just raised by our listener, Andrea? Yeah, hi, good morning, guys. Um, listen, I, I think that that was a great example of where she was able to get in contact with a medical practitioner and have it coordinated with a pharmacist. But, you know, we can't design national healthcare systems based off N equals one. And unfortunately, that is not the experience that the vast majority of Australians have when trying to access healthcare. So it's wonderful that, that she was able to get that in that particular circumstance. But what the evidence shows us is that Australians are waiting four hours on average in emergency departments and up to four days on average, not 15 minutes, four days, Health Engines National Data shows us to get a general practitioner appointment. So we're not talking about all conditions, and we're not talking about all medications. Clearly, there needs to be restrictions. But uh, what we're talking about are 27 common conditions or ailments that are unnecessarily blocking up our ED department and unnecessarily blocking up um, our GPs. So COVID-19 specifically with respiratory complications is not one of those 27 common conditions. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's an example? What's a real thing that's clogging up the system at the moment that you would see change if if uh, yeah. pharmacists could start pre- prescribing medication? Yeah, great question. So as your listeners will realise, they can go to their pharmacy at the moment now and receive their um, their reliever puffer if they're having mm. um, an, you know, an asthma attack, but you can't get your preventative puffer. Um, many listeners will know they can go to their pharmacy to get the emergency contraceptive pill or what's commonly called the morning after pill, but they can't get the contraceptive pill. Um, what pharmacists can now provide women in Queensland, which is a top 10 potentially preventable hospital presentation up in, up in that state, indeed it is in every state, including South Australia, um, is a short course of antibiotics to treat an uncomplicated urinary tract infection. So the other things that make it up are things like eardrops uh, for, for an ear infection. So we're not talking about complex chronic disease here. This That is the most appropriate place for treatment of that, of course, is with your general practitioner. But as I said, there are 27 ailments 
um, that with proper training, and pharmacists will need to do an extra 12 months of training on top of their five years of university education already to be able to do these 27 different things. But um, that's why we've got the Pharmacy Board of Australia. Um, it oversees the 35,000 pharmacists in Australia. It's an independent statutory body and it makes sure all the proper safety guidelines are in place. Do GPs support the proposal? Um, grassroots GPs most definitely do. Unfortunately, when you get to uh, the peak body, um, you know, it gets overtly political. Um, so, um, you know, if you had the AMA or RACGP, for example, of course they would have a different view. But, uh, you know, what the evidence clearly shows us is um, people in Canada are already receiving these services from their local pharmacy. People in the United Kingdom are already receiving this service from their local community pharmacy. So, of course, we need to make sure we properly support our general practice network. They're very valid. But isn't there, isn't very- there an issue here, Professor? Because I see that there's, mm. a, there's another story going on at the moment where GPs are saying that they think that um, some some medications, an increased number of, of medications mm. should be va- made available through supermarkets. And the Pharmacy Guild has come out opposing that. It looks like uh, you guys... I the- haven't heard that story. Yeah, well, Brad Crouch has got a piece about it in the paper today. It feels oh, to right. me like some of these some of these issues are actually more industrial issues or market share issues for, for, for the different lobby groups as opposed to health-based issues, which if you actually all sat down together and collaborated could actually mm. take real pressure off the health system. Well, of course we want collaborative healthcare, right? Which means every health practitioner, whether it's a nurse, whether it's a pharmacist, whether it's a physiotherapist, and many listeners will know, um, you know, you can go to your optometrist now at Specsavers and receive a limited amount of prescription eye drops that you never used to be able to receive um, only five years ago. So this is not about replacing anybody. This is about saying our system needs reform. We need to make sure not only do we properly fund every part of the network, but we need to properly make sure that um, not only our pharmacists um, are able to practice to their full scope, but all health practitioners. So this isn't a turf war from our perspective at all. This is about us saying, yes, we need to make sure GPs are looked after, absolutely. But you know what? There are a small range of things that pharmacists with extra training can do, and indeed we're doing in most of the developed world, and that should definitely be part of the policy mix that the premiers and chief ministers consider tomorrow in Canberra. So using one of the examples that uh, you just provided, Professor mm. Toomey, can you just walk through our listeners through what the experience would be like uh, in, in this, this, uh, this system that you're putting to National Cabinet with mm. regard to something like uh, an ear infection, getting needing sure. eardrops? Would you let, then, let, would, you, yep. would you roll, you, you turn up at your chemistry and say, my ears are hurting? Sure. Do you get, yeah, in, sure. Do you get inspected or you just get given the drops? How does it work? No, no, you have to have a consultation. So rather than use a theoretical example, let's give you a real-life example that's happening now just over the state border in Queensland. So a service, as I said before, that's only available to Queensland women is a short course of antibiotics for an uncomplicated urinary tract infection. So during the pilot, the trial, which is now embedded in permanent practice, 9,000 women received that service. They had to sit down and have a consultation with the pharmacist. The pharmacist had to go through the same therapeutic guidelines and treatment protocol as approved by the Australian Therapeutic Guidelines, which um, a GP has to follow, a nurse has to follow, and now a pharmacist has to follow. So it's not the same experience where you go in and stand at the back counter. It's a similar experience to what many of South Australians have had when they go and sit in a consultation room to receive their flu vaccine or to receive their COVID-19 vaccine. So it's it's a different experience um, and it has to, as I say, not only comply with 
all of the right privacy legislations, but it has to comply with the same clinical guidelines. Mm. Well, I think the bottom line is anything that can relieve the pressure on our um, hospital system and, 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 and get you know beds freed mm. up and what have you is to be welcomed. So we'll see how it all pans out. Professor mm. Trent Toomey from the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, thank you so much for joining us this morning, getting a lot of feedback about it and quite divergent feedback to polarised uh, views here on the text line. The first one from Ed says, uh, re-pharmacists prescribing medications, you don't call a plumber to fix your electrical problems. They might both be trades, but that doesn't mean they're educated in solving all problems. Pharmacists and doctors are educated differently, so unless there is a provision to educate pharmacists, I don't think it's a good idea. Conversely, this one, when people say they're worried about chemists prescribing some medication, I don't think they realise that chemists generally know more about the drugs they're dealing with than doctors. Hmm, certainly compound chemists. I guess they're putting things together, aren't they? So Yeah, yeah, you've got the old mortar, mortar and pestle. David Pemberthy and Will Goodings, 6 to 9, 5AA Breakfast.